0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door
1: with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we get going into Browns Film Breakdown, I want to talk to you guys about a new TV series coming out on WGN America. So Wednesdays at 10, 9 Central, get ready for your newest TV addiction, the new series Pure, premiering on WGN America. So Pure is based on the true events of the Mennonite Mob, heard that right Mennonites most of them are kind people but one group was a part of the world's most dangerous drug cartel the show is about Noah Funk the newly elected Mennonite pastor who's determined to rid his community of the mob and the drugs but he's way in over his head think of Pure as Breaking Bad meets Witness meets Narcos so get hooked on Pure series premiere is Wednesday 10 9 central only on WG in America available on DirecTV channel 307 Dish channel 239 or check your local cable listings all right, cue the music, and off we go. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of Browns Film Breakdown. It's Jake Burns back with you, your host, writer at the OBR, writer at cleveland.com. Coming at you guys here, conference championship weekend, already watched the Saints, Fail to get it done at home as the Rams will go to the Super Bowl, and as I'm recording this, looks like New England's up 17-7, who knows how that'll go, but it, uh, it it certainly will shake out to be an interesting Super Bowl, one that will feature a young up-and-comer. Maybe they see Kansas City in a comeback, we'll see, you guys can laugh at this when you listen. But I want to talk to you guys about the uh, coaching staff before we get into our guests, the coaching staff that's going to be around Freddie Kitchens. Um, two pieces I wrote on cleveland.com just last week, defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, his aggressive 4-3 scheme, one of the heaviest blitzing schemes I've come across from his time in Carolina. Just a reminder, he did not call the defense last year in in Arizona. That was Al Holcomb who actually joins the Browns as well. Al Holcomb will be the run game coordinator. And when they say run game coordinator, that's on defense. So he'll be... Uh, focusing on how they handle run game early down run situations he'll also coach linebackers Wilkes will call defense the last time Wilkes called defense 2017 in Carolina after working his way up he took over that Carolina defense from Buffalo Bills head coach right now Sean McDermott so he completely shifted the way that uh, Carolina defense attacked right they were uh, pretty bend but don't break not necessarily bend but don't break just less aggressive in terms of blitzing under McDermott that number went up significantly as as uh, as Wilkes took over there, that Carolina defense—it was one of the better run defenses in the league. Not great talent in the secondary, that's why they played a lot of linebacker sets in Carolina, a lot of three linebacker looks. Really talented linebacker group with Luke keekley and and uh, Thomas Davis. So um, you know that that's that's the interesting part is in Arizona they didn't run uh, play run defense very well uh, under Holcomb and, and Wilkes, but they they certainly they certainly defended the pass well. So what your hope is that those two can take their lessons from the past two years and apply that. On the defensive side of the football so there is a wilks preview there for you guys on cleveland.com also we had an in-depth look at todd monk the offensive coordinator arriving from tampa bay where he was the offensive coordinator the last three years finally took over play calling last year and got the most out of ryan fitzpatrick and and james winston they did a really nice job uh, top five passing offense in the nfl and i tried to address uh, todd Monkin's ability in the air core yell system and, and, and well, Monken was an air raid guy meshing it with the air coriel that was with Dirk Cutter. And then what he'll be doing meshing that uh, train of thought with the air raid that he took uh, from his time at Oklahoma State with Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman when they went to the went to the Fiesta Bowl. And how that all meshes here with the Coriel thoughts of, of Freddie Kitchen. So that'll be really fun to track. And those are two very insightful reads if you guys do find time. So uh, other names that you guys will want to become accustomed with? Back coaching the wide receivers is Adam Henry. Thought he did a great job last year. Thought that was a good call to keep him. Uh, Stump Mitchell will take over the running backs. Really nice list of, uh, of running backs Stump Mitchell has worked with, dating back to his time with the Jets, before the Jets with the Cardinals. He's been an integral part of uh, running backs seeing success such as Ricky Waters, Sean Alexander, Clinton Portis, David Johnson. Uh, he's done really great work, and, and he's one of the the best running back coaches in the game in terms of just public opinion. You don't always know how well positional coaches do, but you just listen to what other people say about them. And Stump Mitchell is, is certainly held in really high regard. Ryan Lindley will step in. The youngster will take over as quarterback coach. He was brought in late last year from San Diego state where he was coaching at the time, helping with the defensive backs. He was brought in to take over the running back duty as Freddie Kitchens became the offensive coordinator. Lindley played quarterback at San Diego state. So it'll be a natural fit for him and Mayfield is already comfortable with him. Right. Um, offensive line James Campen will be taking over for everybody's favorite Bob Wiley uh, Campen has had an extremely extensive history with the Green Bay Packers very much so linked to John Dorsey in his time Elliot Wolf in their time there they trust this name that was probably an integral part of why Campin decided to join kitchen staff so 9 of Campin's 11 seasons as the offensive line coach the Packers rated in the top 10 in the league in scoring finished top 10 in total offense in 8 of those 11 seasons as well Campen has helped develop six Packer offensive linemen to help them earn their Pro Bowl recognition. Brian Bulaga, one of the best tackles in the league, also coached J.C. Treader when he was in Green Bay as well. So it'll be a really, really good fit in Cleveland for Campin, and I think uh, I'm excited to see how he helps the O-line develop, especially the group that came together so well in Kitchens' offense in the late part of the year. Jody Wright will be joining as a special assistant to the head coach. Uh, He was the offensive line assistant head coach at UAB in 2018, also running backs coach, UAB in 2014. I'm not entirely sure of the extensiveness of his work. Director of player personnel at Alabama for a little while too, so uh, Freddie's connected to him through Alabama. Um, you will get assistant offensive line coach Jeff Blasco. Blasco has done um, in his previous stop. He spent three years with Green Bay. Hired by the Packers in 2016 as a coaching administrator. So he's sort of working his way up. He helped uh, the name I mentioned there early. Earlier, David Bakhtiari earned first-team Pro Bowl honors in 2018. So this is a, a feel for somebody camp and wanted to bring with him on the offensive line. John Lilly, they hired to coach tight ends. Lilly coached Rams tight ends two years ago. Spent last year as the assistant head coach at Tennessee for the Volunteers. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Lilly develops David Njoku, especially carrying over his experience from time with the with the Rams and uh, in, in Sean McVay's offense. A familiar name steps in, and Jim Dre is the offensive quality control coach so Dre was with the Browns from 2014 through 2015 and uh, was an offensive assistant at Stanford last season so looking to expand his role expand his resume found a nice landing spot in Cleveland on a good young coaching staff also stepping in will be Tyler Tettleton uh, a name you guys might be familiar with as a former quarterback at Ohio University where he had a really sound career for the Bobcats, he worked as a graduate assistant for two years at Oklahoma, very much connected to Baker Mayfield in his time there, 2016-2017. think those two had some rapport that obviously helped Tettleton get that job. Shifting over to the defensive side of the football, senior defensive assistant Chris Jones coming over from the CFL. He served as a plethora of different positions for the last stop he had in Saskatchewan, um, He's the Rough Riders vice president of football operations general manager and their head coach all at once. Did a really nice job of taking the Rough Riders from a five-win season in 2016, 10 wins in 2017 and a 12-and-6 tally. Last year comes with a wealth of football experience. Had actually signed a contract extension but had an NFL out in his contract. He spent time with a good friend of mine um, in Toronto with the Argonauts as defensive coordinator. Comes very, very highly regarded, Uh, a tough coach. I think he'll fit in well with this group. Um, extensively, uh, Joe Witt will take over as a pass game coordinator. So he'll be focusing on uh, how the how the Browns will work their coverages. He'll be their secondary coach. He's his 13th season in the NFL. First with the Browns, he spent 11 years with the Packers, where he helped them win. Obviously, their Super Bowl was a big part of that. And uh, he was their defensive pass game coordinator in 2018. So he will he will obviously be a big part of uh, you know the Browns' development and in coverage plans week to week helped the Packers over you know his long time span there with them they rank seven in opponent completion component completion percentage seven in touchdown interception ratio you also saw some cornerbacks such as Jermon Williams and Sam Shields combined for 33 picks from 10 through 14 earning them multiple Pro Bowl selections so that's a good hire. The defensive side of the football we touched on. Al Holcomb's extensive backgrounds with background with Carolina defensive backs coach. They're going to have Dwayne Walker back, a guy I think they trust with young secondary pieces such as Denzel Ward. Got the most out of Terrence Mitchell, Demarius Randall, Jabril Peppers. Keeping those guys in harmony for a group that really took off in pass coverage this past year. I think it was a really smart decision for the group overall to go ahead and keep Dwayne Walker, who will be in his twelfth season coaching and will be a familiar face on the defensive side of the football defensive line a very talented group that I'm sure the Browns are going to overhaul will be coached by Tosh Lapoy who is the defensive coordinator at Alabama so a big leap of faith to get to the NFL for LePoy leaving Alabama deciding to join this Brown staff and that Alabama connection has obviously proved to be uh, pretty fruitful for this staff for the connection to Freddie Kitchens I'll be very interested to know uh, if that was a Nick Saban recommendation or what but he comes over from leading many Many talented defenses at Alabama, uh, helping you know, several, several is probably not the right word, just a bunch of talented football players get drafted out of Alabama. So you feel good about the wealth of talent there. John Perella will be the assistant defensive line coach. Uh, Perella, 12 seasons in the NFL as a defensive tackle, spent 2018 developing professional football hopefuls at the Spring League. So he spent time in the Spring League getting a good opportunity. Um, he's also spent time at Nebraska. Uh, as well so he will help to put in the defensive line now special teams coordinator Mike Preefer comes with uh you know heavy connections his hometown is Cleveland Ohio spent several years with Minnesota leading a successful special teams unit special teams coach of the year award is something he's won he won in 2012 has coached several different players Cordero Patterson Chris Hanson David Tyree Blair Walsh all to Pro Bowl nods there's no doubt that prefer will be a significant upgrade to the likes of Chris Tabor and Amos Jones of the of the previous two regimes. But uh, prefer does come with an ugly side. I, I'm not going to get into that on this podcast. You can look it up. Some of the quotes were not pretty. It's not my place to judge him as a human being. It uh, You know, it's not something I would ever say. It's not something I believe in. But those uh, on Freddie Kitchen staff and in the front office here seem to believe in his redeemed uh, you know, personality going through you know, several different layers of um, life coaching and going to some rehabilitation. So again, uh, I'm not going to give my opinion on one way or the other. I just know that they're hiring him and his football acumen is pretty sound. So we'll leave it at that. But that's the Brown staff, guys. I think they have a really talented group here. I think both coordinators providing really good, uh, you know, experience for Freddie Kitchens to lean on. And I would On paper, say this is one of the better staffs in the NFL, and they did a great job, John Dorsey and company, in the front office. A great job of surrounding Freddie Kitchens, a first-time head coach, with guys he can lean on, guys who can help him. And, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to see where this goes uh, for the Browns and this coaching staff. It could be a group that propels a lot of different men into head coaching positions of their own someday. So cool to see the Browns in this situation put together together a great staff, and I'm going to continue to get as many opinions on it for you guys as I can because it's a fun topic to really discuss. So uh, before we do get to our guest today, though, I want to talk to you guys about my pillow. A good night's rest, guys, is, is really about as important as it comes for workday productivity, whether you're a 9-to-5 a an athlete, a, a student, any of the above. And my pillow looks to focus on that for you. So go to MyPillow.com, click on the 4.0 pack special and enter my promo code which is cozy c o z y and you'll get two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. It's amazing what a difference a great pillow makes. If you go to mypillow.com right now, click on their four pack, shipping's absolutely free. That's right, no shipping cost. And don't forget about their 60-day money back guarantee. Okay? So there's nothing better than a gift of restorative sleep. Go to mypillow.com, click on the four pack special, use my code Cozy, C-O-Z-Y, to get two premium MyPillows and, again, two pillows. MyPillow.com is the way to go, or you can call 800-966-1472. And remember, my promo code can be used for any offer on MyPillow.com, not just the offers we've talked about here, that's any offer. Again, that's my promo code, Cozy, C-O-Z-Y. All right, guys, we will be right back with today's guest. All right, guys. Welcoming in the first repeat guest of the Browns Film Breakdown Ooh. podcast. I think I might have been your first repeat guest too, Doug. Am I right about that on the on the Buckeye talk? I think about? that's
0: right. I think
1: we're just both so good, Jake. We can't get enough of each other. It's it's truth. It's just you know we can run from it, but it'll catch <laughs> up with us. So um, yeah, Doug Doug Le-Marice is back with us. I want to talk about uh, the the landscape has totally shifted. So I think the last time we talked, Doug, we talked about uh, the hue firing and all of that stuff. I think right. I'm pretty sure
0: that sounds right. I've, t- I've talked. A- I've talked a lot about the hue firing in the last several months. But that well, does sound right.
1: Yeah, let's shift. Let's let's go positive. They hired Freddie Kitchens. Did did you make it up to that by chance, or did you did you watch? I like, did. You did I make did. it. Okay. What? Give me your vibes. What was there. it like? Give it. Give it to me.
0: Well, I said beforehand, like uh, I didn't know exactly what I thought. You know, when when the word came out that he was the guy, but like, there's there. What's the point in being anti Freddie at this point with the with the way? fans are feeling about this team, this roster, this organization. Um, it's like, uh, was he, is he the best guy they could hire? I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but like get on board. So that's what I thought going into that. And then again, we talk about like winning the press conference and all that stuff and all that stuff doesn't matter, but there is some, there is a genuine quality to Freddie. There's an underdog quality to Freddie there's a way that he speaks about leadership and team building and the way that you relate to people that I'm kind of aware of not necessarily comparing everything to Hugh and saying, Freddie's great at this and Hugh is terrible. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you could just hear Freddie talk and it was just an obvious contrast to the way Hugh talked, to the way Hugh said, I sit in this chair. You don't know and it's like Freddie would never say something like that. So You know, I respect part of my opinion is formed by the fact that, like guys, by guys like you, and other people out there that I respect who do break down the film, who say this guy was great. And so, well, okay, well if he's great at that, that matters. And then you know what? I have I asked him at the news conference, how come you've never been a coordinator before? Mm -hmm. You you, now you're a head coach. You never were in charge of half a team before until the Browns were in desperate straits last year, and he basically gave the impression of like, you know, he said I I don't. Sometimes if you don't politic for a job, you get overlooked. Um, maybe it's the way I talk. And that kind of thing I think is very relatable to a lot of Browns fans too. So you know what? The main thing is, and I wrote this, we're wrong about this stuff all the time. <laughs> Go look at all the people who were on board with Hugh Jackson. Go look at all the people that said Doug Peterson was a terrible hire in Philly. Sports writers are wrong in the moment about hirings all the time. So who cares what I think? You may as well get on board with Freddie. And the way he presents himself and the way he calls plays, he certainly gives you reasons to get on board.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating, the answer. Because I thought you asked that question. I was watching from work when when that question was asked. And I almost texted you because I thought it was a great question. And his answer was reflecting something that I've talked about, which is I sort of, when I first heard Freddie talk, I thought to myself, there's no way this guy can... Call a great. He just doesn't, and this is terrible because it's reading a book by its cover. But I'll admit I was wrong, and I'd eat my words on this. Is like I didn't think he'd be good at his job, and he blew it. You know, he blew it out of the water. So um I, I was wrong about that, and I do I do one hundred percent agree with you that more often than not we get it wrong. And, and Hugh is a guy who had the button up sentences and, and the in and the, and the nice tuxedo and uh, look yep. it just it all looked right. And we all thought it was right and it wasn't right. So I think that the way Hugh was as a person when he got entrenched in the job, they wanted to go so far left of that. And this is as far left as they could probably go. And I genuinely think that they have bought into the idea. And Freddie tried to downplay it and say he didn't do any different schemes. He did some things differently. He can downplay it all he wants to. But I do think that they're into the, the idea now that you win with people. And I think that that is something that the Browns franchise has bought into 100% with Freddie, that they believe that the players play harder for someone they believe in. And this is this is a guy that everybody believes in. And I think his staff development has has proven that to be true because – there are some extremely impressive names. Uh, we wrote about Steve Wilkes. Yeah. Just put one out tonight on on Todd Monken, who is a fascinating air raid uh, coordinator, and how those two will mesh. I don't. I hesitate, like you do, Doug, to say everything's going to work out because we don't know. But I just don't know how they could have done better. Everybody who looks in from the outside, who has no attachment to the Browns, will say ah. what the, What the heck are they? I just don't know how they could have done better in this situation, especially with the the plethora of just. I didn't think there were any, I mean, did you have somebody you wanted? Like, there weren't really big names out there, right? No, and that's the thing, and you look at the guys who were hired,
0: it's like, did you want, would you rather they hired Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah. Would you rather they hired Matt Lafleur, like Green Bay did? Would you rather they recycled Adam Gase? I don't know that there's a hire, the one that would interest me, and I don't know what I'm talking about. But the one that would maybe interest me, it seems like the, the Dolphins are going to hire Brian Flores, mm-hmm. the defensive coordinator for the Patriots, right? Yep. And it seems like you read the stuff, he blew them away in the interview. Mm-hmm. To me, like, maybe you get a guy like that and keep Freddie as the offensive coordinator. Maybe. Maybe that's a little better fit. Not that Brian Flores has that much experience either. Yeah. Um, but the idea of maybe getting a defensive coach, I know there was a time when like a guy like Jim Schwartz who was never in the mix then, like his name was floated like a veteran defensive coach. Mm -hmm. And then you keep Freddie as the OC. You can't force the new coach to keep Freddie, but you can suggest it pretty hard. Like, I think maybe like, what's the perfect scenario. Listen, if Freddie did a great job, if Freddie has a great relationship with Baker, maybe the perfect, perfect scenario and again, then if you say, well, then why didn't keep Greg Williams? But I'm not so sure that I would have done that either. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's that. Maybe it's a, the, the absolute right defensive coach with Freddie as the OC. But you know what? You look around. The, thing, the only thing I said going into the, into the interviews was be open-minded. Be ready to be blown away and have a thorough search. Because mm-hmm. the Rams didn't know they were going to hire Sean McVay until they started the interviews. The Steelers back in the day didn't, didn't know they were going to hire Mike Tomlin until they started the interviews. So if this is who you land on, I said be open-minded and be thorough. The fact that they're hiring a guy who's never even been a coordinator for more than eight games, that's open minded. Mm-hmm. and they didn't just hand it to him. They interviewed seven people, they interviewed some real dudes. That's thorough. So if they were open-minded and thorough and they wind up on forty four year old Freddie Kitchens, I guess I got what I asked for, which mm-hmm. is be open minded to the process and wait to be wait for the process to show you who the guy is, and they thought, guess what? The guy is right down the hall. That seems like crazy luck to me, that the Super Bowl coach of the Browns, and that's what I wrote, he has to be the Super Bowl coach. Like, this is not, oh, you got Mike and you got Chud. whatever. This is a team with absolute Super Bowl aspirations in the next four or five years, mm-hmm. maybe next two, three years. That's absolutely what you hired. You hired a Super Bowl coach. If he doesn't get to do a Super Bowl on some level, it's a failure.
1: Yeah, and it's who John the Dorsey's tying his...
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. So he's down the hall.
1: Maybe you got lucky, but that's not too much, right, Jake? No, no right? Yeah, <laughs> it's a Super Bowl. Yeah, it, that's no, the, that's a reasonable goal, right? right? They could have won eleven. You can easily justify winning eleven games this year, and, and that's in a year with a tumultuous turnover of some who would consider the worst coach in the history of football. So, like, you know, NFL football. So it has to be. You got a quarterback that's proven to be ahead of his uh, maturity curve, and all of those things with his. It, it, the, the time is not. I mean, it's got to be. I know it's crazy because you you just you just won zero to seven games, but the, they should be Super Bowl aspirations next year. It should be Philadelphia is the blueprint, and that that is yep. where it should be. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it's 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 very fascinating to me because this is it. This is John Dorsey's second run as a GM. He's making his his coaching hire is finally here. He is tying himself, like you said, to winning the Super Bowl, and he's putting it all in the hands of Freddie Kitchen. So. I have to trust it. I have to think that they did everything they could. They weren't blown away by anybody other than Freddie, so it works, and I'm, I'm on board. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't be on board if you didn't want to be on board. It's just because you're, you know, you you just believe the worst is going to happen no matter who they hire, right. and that's that's just not where I want to be with it. So, um, I'll ask you this, shifting a little bit. To to, to you're your talking Super Bowl. Where do they, in your mind, where do they have to? to get what 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 has to improve if they're going to get there what has to improve where are you looking at in the draft just off the top you probably haven't studied all this stuff and you know you got a lot going on at high school yeah. and all that but just you know in general thinking where where do they what do they got to improve what are you looking to see uh vastly change
0: I, I do think they as good as the offense was it feels like to me they still need another playmaker and that if you if you really got a guy in the receiver core that really was like and and i guess maybe you could do it the draft but i'm almost more interested i mean it seems like even if there's guys who aren't necessarily like on the market right now lots of times things happen guys maybe become available because of cap space issues or that kind of stuff i I feel like you have to be ready to pounce on something like that Mm -hmm. um, because if you if you could just drop everybody down a level where Jurgis Landry moves down one spot in the pecking order, and Antonio Callaway moves down a spot, and Joku moves down a spot and everything, they would be that much better. So I I don't know that, to me, they have a Super Bowl, they have Super Bowl skill positions if if these are the most dangerous guys you have right now. I know some people are waiting for a big leap from Callaway next year, but I don't know that I would want to bank, you know, with Baker Mayfield's potential, I don't know I would want to bank on all that. And then... You would know this better than me, but I, I don't know. Are, 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 should they be comfortable coming back with Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard as their two answers at tackle, or do they have to address that? I know there's probably defensive line too, right? But, like, I, I just don't know if did they luck into Greg Robinson and, and they can't count on him being a foreshore answer, or do you feel like that you could come back with basically this same offensive line and not really have to address that? Because I, I I don't know, again, it's like they really, Greg Robinson, former number two pick, bounced around, and here he is, he's the miracle answer to replace Joe Thomas? Is that actually how this is going to go down? <laughs> or is that lightning in a bottle and they can't count on that for 16 games next year?
1: I think that that's a fascinating question, and I've tried to answer that. He, he I'll take it a step further. I think if this is the first time that if the Browns offense stayed as is and brought all 11 guys back, they'd still be good. I think that that's where they're at. And I think it all revolves yeah. around number six. Like, I think I think that they could, they could genuinely keep the status quo, not change a thing, and they would be fine. Now, I'm with you in terms of they are now, instead of saying, we have to plug one, two, and three holes on offense with draft picks or free agents, it is now how do we improve? How do we take, say – Brashad Perriman, who I want them to bring back, and I think he is res- gonna resurrect his career here, and I think he knows that. But just for example, how do we improve wide receiver number one and number number three and make him a number one? Do they chase the likes of uh, Antonio Brown is not coming to anyone in the AFC, just not him. But do they chase the likes of Odell Beckham? Do they do they cha- Like that's that should be the goal? You know, Mike Evans has a, a no cap penalty if he's traded. Like those should be what you should be doing. I'm going after uh if it, if it's trading or if I'm going after if somebody hits the free agent market only guys that improve our our franchise and that's cool like for the first time and I couldn't tell you how long I don't feel like they have to change much because they were the second best offense in the NFL for 9 weeks that is that's that's real like that's not fake and and, and right. you talk about Greg Robinson I think the guy found himself at a time of dire need he spent the offseason with the offensive line guru. Probably the people trust the most across the league in terms of teaching and understanding is Charles Bentley, the old Ohio State product. Uh, who, you know, had an unfortunate inning with the Browns. But he is the go-to right. offensive lineman trainer. And that's where Greg Robinson spent his time in the offseason and it and it reflected in a guy with, with better balance, better posture in terms of wow. when he would get to his depth points. And those things mattered for him. Now he's going to get beat here and there again, but you can win with these eleven guys on offense. They have to improve up front defensively. They need depth. They need Larry Ogunjobi, and they need Miles Garrett to play far fewer snaps. That's the biggest thing, and another yeah. linebacker. But the offense is fascinating to me. That for the first time in a long time, and you are banking on you know like, like you mentioned earlier, Doug, you're banking on Callaway having some improvements in year two, and and Perriman taking another leap coming through and and you know the step of his career. But you know they'll they'll probably draft a wide receiver. They'll probably do some different things, but they don't need to go crazy offensively if they want to target a a big time tight end like a TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant, those those two Iowa kids do it. Like that's, you do it. You have Najoku and and, then you look at some of the better teams in the league have two really good tight ends. Give Mayfield all of those tools. And, um, but you don't have to go crazy. The only thing I'm thinking is if the right big name becomes available for whatever reason, because in week to week with NFL wide receivers, it's, you just never know. uh, You you got a chance to pounce on it. Is Gerald McCoy, the defensive tackle out of uh, Tampa Bay, if he's an Oklahoma guy who loved Baker Mayfield here talking about letting him go throw a fifth round pick at him you have extra picks like this is the this is this is it this is the off season you have Miles Garrett on a rookie deal you have everybody on a rookie deal you have two real years to spend and you have 11 picks you're not bringing in 11 rookies they're just not doing it they're spending those right. picks somewhere whether it's moving up or they're trading for somebody this is the year. Like I, I genuinely think expectations need to be out of the park, and they need to. They because it's it's the next two years are big. Before they have to re-sign Miles and Larry and Joe Schober and and probably Demarius Randall and, and Jabril Peppers, these eighty million is is there to spend. So I expect John Dorsey to be ultra aggressive, and um, and, and I I think. Uh,
0: that point you just made it just needs to be pounded home with the fan base and this is so weird to think but like again they're not building to something with these young players it's now yep. it's now it's now it's now with a with a, a, a rookie contract for a good quarterback and then other good young players who aren't getting paid yet i, I get i've with all a lot of people who have it's easy to get obsessed with the Rams, and I think maybe the shine came off them a little bit late in the season, but I still, I think they might beat the Saints and go to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So but beyond Sean McVay, you look at like, the guys they added to that team. They just went for it. When they added Sue and they added Akeem Tlaib and Marcus Peters at corner, and they brought in Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods at receiver in the last two years. They went out and got guys off other teams. This isn't draft picks. They're trading picks. They're getting veterans. They're spending money. And I know – Some people don't want to hear it, but I I always preface it. Maybe I should just stop prefacing it, but Sashi Brown helped set this team up in that they have cap space, they have extra picks, they absolutely have maneuverability, Mm -hmm. and so I am very interested in them not using that number 17 pick in the draft. I am very interested in that turning into somebody, into some disgruntled veteran out there, into some team that... Is rebuilding and wants to save some caps. If you could, if you could turn that pick into Mike Evans, right? I mean, yeah, that you do. In the mean, maybe beat. even the yeah. stuff. Maybe the stuff we can't even think of yet. But I do feel like with with the way they're positioned and all of a sudden, by the way, you're now a franchise with Baker, with Freddie, with the hope here. Guys will want to play here. You're not going to be getting like veterans who are like, Oh, I can't believe I'm going to Cleveland. If you could turn the extra picks, the first-round picks, some of this cap space into to three really established veterans who are ready to play at a near Pro Bowl level right now, and that's what you add to this roster for next year, I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation. And so I kind of I kind of don't want them to make the pick. I want to turn the pick into, like, a guy who can go catch 100 passes or a yeah. guy who's going to go, you know – get constant pressure on the defensive line and i think i think there might be opportunities that we don't even know about yet
1: yeah and if they if they don't find that opportunity use that pick and other picks behind it to move up and go get a difference making rookie move up to get ed oliver move up to get um if there's you know if you want devin white the the linebacker kid who's going to be a top 10 kid out of lsu move up go get him like do something aggressive. I the I I genuinely think that they will be aggressive, but I need to see it. And I, I think that all options should be on the table, like you said. You never know; it could be a month from now. Mike Evans wants nothing to do with Bruce Arians. You just you, you never know. So um, it it'll be fascinating to follow that, and it'll be fascinating to follow where they how they attack this short window of of free money that will eventually here soon have to go. And that's why veterans are important because you can get them on the last two years of a deal and, and still be able to give your rookies and keep those long-term guys. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's big time in and, and, and draft. I want to, there's two things I want to talk to you high state wise, cause I have you cause I don't always have you. Um, Dwayne Haskins, he, he's, he's, he's quarterback one, a lot of boards, um, is he to you everything is he the best ohio state quarterback you've ever seen we'll start there
0: he's the best thrower Mm -hmm. i've ever seen
1: um and and i think that is an important distinction
0: because and it's it's less of a distinction for the nfl but ohio state at ohio state throwing has not been the most important thing a quarterback has done so he throws it better than braxton miller but like depending on the opponent and the play maybe I'd take Braxton Miller for on a certain third and three. And depending on the opponent and the play, maybe I'd take Troy Smith. Um, but but as you're talking about like the NFL, the way Dwayne Haskins throws it, uh, I think he's really good at analyzing stuff um, and realizing what's out there in front of him. I, I thought he really grew in that regard. Um, I've had questions about him sort of all along the way. I was never wrapped up in his running ability. Mm-hmm. And did he need to keep it in his own read? I thought that got way overdone this year and like you know there was a couple games near the end where he kept it three or four times and gained 18 yards and people thought bull well, acted like it changed the offense i don't want him running it
1: yeah.
0: but because at the nfl level
1: the,
0: yeah i mean it's like i get it if he yeah. if he keeps it two or three times it takes some pressure off the tailback He yeah. can't crash on them quite as much but still with all the options that ohio state offense had the worst option they had on every play was Dwayne Haskins running Mm -hmm. so you didn't want that and so the NFL doesn't want that either but I still have a little bit of a question I think he's going to be good I would draft him high I would take him I would take him in the top 10 Mm -hmm. but I do have some questions Jake and and again I think you'd be great like you look at Patrick Mahomes and you look at Baker and you look at Carson Wentz and you look at um Andrew Luck and a lot of these Deshaun Watson. This, this new breed of quarterback, they all can throw it, but they all can move. They're all great athletes. They all can escape and run when they need to and get out of the pocket. And Dwayne Haskins is much more, to me, the traditional drop-back passer, much more in a Peyton Manning, Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady kind of mold of like, you know what, maybe they'll get rid of it quick, but they're not going to be able to escape and do anything. So I don't know how much the NFL is trending – toward that not a running quarterback but an athletic quarterback and Dwayne to me is just not that athletic he's more old school he's Dan Marino so I have a half of a question about that and it's not about toughness and willingness it's about escapability and throwing on the run but I also think he's smart he can read defenses he can anticipate blitzes hit guys on hot routes and get rid of the ball Mm -hmm. and not be a liability there but as people break him down, I'm going to imagine that's where they're going to have questions about him. And and again, just when you compare him, even, you know, Josh Allen running around like a maniac this year as a rookie. When you compare him athletically to the best quarterbacks of the last two or three years, I don't know if there might be some hesitation for the Giants or the Jaguars or anybody thinking about him in the top ten, because I think he is not quite at that level as
1: an athlete. That's a fantastic answer in terms of the greatest quarterback at Ohio State with different times and, and different guys fitting that mold. You're right. He's the, he's the best thrower. He's the best arm talent I've seen, too. I have questions, too, like you do. Uh, the, the, those were perfect. I have questions about where his eyes go when, when rush stuff gets in front of him he'll drop the eyes sometimes and i think that gives him some fits in terms of re he'll drop the eyes quickly and then try to re-establish where he was looking which gives me a a little hesitation to how well he will handle pressure especially when you Mm -hmm. you talk about the throwing on the run stuff with mayfield what translated at a, le- a level I did not see coming was his ability to feel pressure and never remove his eye And as a short quarterback, never remove his eyes from downfield was unbelievable. Like, to be able to to feel pressure upfield or feel pressure inside and get guys to miss or escape the pocket and, and really be a fantastic thrower on the run, I think that is what took Mayfield from a 16-touchdown, a 12-interception rookie year to a 27-touchdown. You know, 40. Yeah. I think I think that he is the blueprint for what you want. You want a guy who has the ability to get out and run, but doesn't want to run. Like Mayfield is not a great athlete; he's a four eight forty guy, but he can run. He can get out and run when he needs to, but he doesn't want to. He uses his legs to escape. Like look at Josh Rosen. That kid took forty five snaps, or sorry, sacks, and he, it's be, and he's a great thrower of the football. But the problem is he has good maneuverability in the pocket, just like Haskins does. But he could never get out of situations when he needed to, when things got murky in the pocket. And in the NFL, when you're drafted to these teams, and the, you know, you don't always get drafted. This is where the Browns were kind of fascinating. The Browns have a, a tremendous guard, center, guard trio, and not many teams get draft. You know, players get drafted into a situation like that. Now the Browns luckily midseason found that stability at tackle, which was causing them problems early in the year. But you know, if Dwayne goes to say New York where they don't right. they don't have very solid guys in front of him. Now, you want him to go to New York cuz he has Saquon and he has Odell. Like that's great. I just have a little bit of a concern with how poorly he handled getting out and throwing on the run when he needed to in the eyes. Sometimes the eyes drop and that's that's where I'll be really fascinated to see how well he handles it because you know, I think that Mayfield and I think that Darnold are were the were the blueprint for being able to work what we call out of structure plays, you know, things things don't go as you predict them to go in the pocket and you have to get out and find your next read. That's where I'll be interested with Haskins. You know, Josh Allen's not a great example because I think things are just so chaotic for him that he never understood where to go with the ball. And he can just run. He can just get out and run and right. do, do crazy stuff. He's he's a gifted athlete. But um, and and Lamar Jackson's doing. They got him doing something completely different. But I I do think with Sam, the way Sam Darnold ended the year, as things started to slow down for him and, and Baker, obviously through his throughout the the good portion of his rookie year, it it is it is a necessary evil with how many good. Defensive linemen are coming into the NFL as opposed to offensive linemen. I'm not sure this gets talked about enough. There are way better defensive linemen in the league right now than there are enough offensive linemen to block them. So you need a quarterback yeah. who can who can evade people and make throws on the run. Unless you get you know there's there's Tom Brady's and Drew Brees of the world who just see things a beat ahead of everybody else. You want that guy. And maybe maybe Tate. Sorry, not Tate. Maybe Dwayne is that guy. I, I, maybe he, he it transfers for him. But that that for me will be the most interesting. He'll blow up the combine he'll throw the football beautifully he'll test well yeah. enough and he'll he'll wow people in the interview none of that stuff worries me but just the just the live action stuff is is fascinating to me we'll close with this i've had john i've had yes. john 25 the, the, you you gave uh um tate martell who i really liked I, I i really liked him i i was i was almost in in conversations with friends talking about how he had a Baker-like chip on him. Like, I I really liked him. Mm -hmm. And um, you gave him the platform at the Rose Bowl with a fantastic interview to voice his opinion, and I thought he gave some really interesting answers. And I didn't think they were wrong necessarily about how hard it is to learn the offense, because Justin Fields transferred in, um, in case you've been asleep for the last month, Uh, obviously an uber-talented kid from Georgia, uh, all the tools, all the above. And and Tate Martell was trying to push back on that a little bit and telling people to calm down and and uh you know what what was the tweet don't don't swing and miss twice or something like that so right yeah i just want your thought on it i mean you having been in the trenches and, and asking him those questions and, and being there in person and feeling the confidence i thought he had and then all of a sudden he's leaving where, where where is your uh yeah just outlook on that yeah i mean i
0: love Tate like it's college football it's fun he's entertaining as hell I don't think he's a bad guy. Um, I think he, you know, he's savvy with the media. He knew we were coming to talk to him that day. We don't get many chances to talk to the backups. That was like talk to the, anyone on the roster day, and everybody out there in California was going straight to Tate, and he knew it. So he, he didn't get tricked into anything. He mm-hmm. knew what he wanted to say, and he knew he was going to get a shot. Um, I thought the way he talked, he was guaranteeing he was going to stay through the spring. Mm-hmm. I thought the minute Justin Fields got here – we were also guaranteeing a situation where there was no way by the fall that both Justin Fields and Tate Martell were going to be here because neither of them is going to be happy not being the guy. So I thought the only question was like if Tate would somehow stay for the spring and somehow win the job. Um, I thought he had guaranteed he was going to stay through spring. But like the idea that Tate's not here anymore is not a surprise to me. And I think in the moment when you are 20 – you're fired up. You want to say something again. It wasn't emotion because this was what that was. He planned to say that, mm-hmm. but then things change. I think if he's trying to get eligible, um, I think it, maybe he's trying to make a case about like a coaching change and and wanting like an a, a immediate eligibility. I think if you stay for the spring under the new head coach, that probably hurts your case with the NCAA if you're trying to get a waiver to play in the fall so maybe the word was put to him like listen man you can't stay and fight in the spring because that would hurt your waiver claim. So
1: does he have a shot at eligibility? Him,
0: uh, he has a shot because the NCAA doesn't want to fight with people on this. Hmm. And they don't want to look bad and they've really relaxed the transfer rules. They hmm. they let you kind of there's a lot of things that they have parameters established but you can finagle a lot of things to get in the parameters. And so the idea that you came to play for one coach, that coach retired, the new coach plays kind of a different system, and then maybe like the coach you came to play for had some health issues that weren't disclosed mm-hmm. when you that you didn't know about him recruiting that but were but were happening. and then that led to his retirement. I mean, it's not just a straight firing or just a straight retirement. There's enough sort of unusual stuff with Urban Meyer that I think he can maybe work some stuff in there just to the point that, like, Ohio State wouldn't fight it and the NCAA would say, fine, go ahead. So I think he has a shot, not a guarantee. Fields is going to get eligible guaranteed at Ohio State. So I think, like, no hard feelings toward Tate. I do think he was much more of an Urban Meyer quarterback than a Ryan Day quarterback. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting when I asked Ryan Day initially when he got the job, "What's what's your ideal quarterback? He basically said a thrower. Then he got asked about it at the Rose Bowl, and he repeated the Urban Meyer quarterback mantra, which was, Leadership, toughness, competitiveness, escapability, and then throwing. And I was mm-hmm. like, "Man, he changed his answer." <laughs> and it was like, I think he was trying to like maybe play a game a little bit or try to keep Tate, Tate happy. But if you saw Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State had to fit Dwayne Haskins, but also that's what Ryan Day does want. Yeah. So it's not a surprise that Tate doesn't fit that. It's not a surprise that Tate left. It's a little bit of a surprise he would make that definitive stand and then bail. But you know what? You're twenty. Then you get different advice, you know, as soon as you're done talking to the reporters. And so, like, best of luck to him. I think in another time, you know, for a coach who played Tim Tebow and Braxton Miller and JT Barrett, mm-hmm. Kate Markell, Martell absolutely could have fit in there. Because Urban Meyer won a lot of games with guys who didn't throw it that well at quarterback. But with Ryan Day, you know what? It probably didn't fit as well. And And, and I don't think it would be a terrible thing for him to become immediately eligible. Because here's part of it, too, Jake. If Justin Fields is going to get immediately eligible at Ohio State, which then sort of is like taking away Tate's job, and mm-hmm. then Tate says, well, if he got it, why don't I get it? I basically got booted out of my spot by a guy who came in and didn't have to sit a year. So now you're telling me I have to sit a year? It's a little bit – you know. there's a transitive property there. That's not in the NCAA rules, but there's, it's probably in the argument that he could make. So I think he'll make it. I think he has a shot to play in the fall. And, you know, I don't think Miami's going to win a national championship with Tate Martell, but I think he could be a good college quarterback.
1: Yeah, and he's very much Miami. <laughs> I don't know if there's going to ever be yeah, a, uh, a more Miami quarterback than Tate Martell. It's fascinating. All of it's fascinating. It's I didn't know the stat. I saw it I saw it back when, when Dwayne uh, made his pledge to the NFL or whatever that they haven't had a Big Ten, hasn't had a quarterback draft in the first round since Kerry Collins. That one knocked me away. Yeah, like, I just – i just for some reason didn't didn't process it and um i think ohio state could become a little bit of the quarterback you stuff ryan day super respected quincy avery um you know obviously quarterbacks he trains and they, yeah it'll be it'll be cool i think ohio state might have a little bit of that that, that you know justin fields is going to be extremely good i'd imagine if he if he gathers it all and Understands the offense and all of that stuff, so it's it's going to be a fun next few years seeing how that all shakes out, and especially how Ryan Day translates because his you know as as the path of Ohio State coaches have gone, it is not it is not as common as some have, have found. So I'm very interested. Um, obviously, I listen to your podcast if you guys aren't already. I, I mean, it's it's a Buckeye Talk Pod. You're never you're never going to find a better one. So I would I would suggest you guys go find that. His work's obviously on Cleveland.com. He, uh, he helped me find my way into working with cleveland.com. One of my favorites, Doug. Thanks for joining me, buddy.
0: Great to talk to you, Jake. I'll, I'll see you soon, man.
1: All right. Sounds good. Guys, if you could, as, as this off season is in full swing, follow along, subscribe to the channel there on YouTube, subscribe here on iTunes with some ratings and reviews. I always appreciate it. It is going to be a quick moving free agency period, quick moving draft period. We'll start getting into prospects in the next few months I always appreciate you guys listening. We will catch you next week. Go Browns.